Hello, and welcome to episode 250 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. First, a warm welcome to Caitlin M., the newest member of the Modern Manager community. Wow, 250 episodes. I can hardly believe it. It has been almost five years and quite an amazing journey to reach this milestone. So most importantly, thank you for listening. Whether you are a longtime follower or this is your very first episode, whether you listen regularly, regardless of the topic, or scroll through and pick the ones that speak to you, it is because of you that I create the show week after week after week after week. To celebrate my 250th episode, I am offering 25% off all subscriptions to the Modern Manager Skills Accelerator through the end of April. The Skills Accelerator is designed to help you gain the skills, mindset, and habits needed to effectively manage your team and yourself so that everyone gets to be their best selves and do their best work. You get access to more than 50 audio lessons and workbooks on a wide range of topics, one-on-one asynchronous coaching with me so you can tackle your specific challenges, plus a patron-level membership to the Modern Manager community and all the guest bonuses, extended episodes, and other benefits of membership. Go to themodernmanager.com slash milestone250 to learn more and sign up at 25% off. Check the show notes for the links and the details. Now, just like for my 200th episode, I decided to take a look back at what ideas have stayed with me over the past year or so. And while every guest shares something insightful, I chose five key takeaways that, for me, stood out in some way. I hope you find these ideas useful, but more importantly, I hope you'll scroll back into the feed and check out older episodes that maybe you haven't listened to because you're newer to the show, or maybe at the time when it was released, the topic didn't really resonate, but maybe now it will. Or maybe you did listen a while ago, and it's just time to scroll back and listen again because we all could use a refresher every now and then. So without further delay, let's get to it. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. So unlike a typical episode, in this show, I'm going to do a lot of the talking, but I'll share snippets from guests so you can hear directly from them. I'll set the context and then expand on their idea and why I think it's such an important concept for us as managers to remember. And I'll offer an idea or two for how you can take action on this insight. So I hope you'll join me in taking the steps to become a better manager and apply what you're learning on the show, because that's why I make the show every week, so that you and I can both learn and improve ourselves. So to start us off, we're turning to two-time guest Rob Toomey. In episode 219, Motivation Through Core Values, Rob explains the four temperaments that shape our motivations and core values. The building blocks of personality type is sort of brought to life by Carl Jung and then further clarified by Isabel Myers and then made famous by the Myers-Briggs type indicator and that whole sort of universe. Uh, You know, that's talking about extroversion, introversion, which is how we get our energy. Sensing and intuition, which is how we sort of take in and process information. Sensing types are focused on the sort of practical realities, the grounded world around them, you know, they tend to focus more on the short term here and now, whereas intuitive types are looking about the future, the possibilities, what might be down the road. Uh, and I always like to say on that one that, you know, we're spending, you know, during the course of any given day, a lot of time in both of those camps because we have to, it's a situational. Uh, so people uh, actually tend to develop pretty strong capabilities in both of those areas. Then we have the thinking and the feeling uh, preference, which is how we make our decisions. Uh, thinkers leaning first towards the pros and cons, 
feelers starting first with this sort of impact on the people and the gut check, do I feel right about this? And then finally, you have the judging and the perceiving uh, piece, which is our preference for structure. So judges like to have a plan, like to stick to a plan, pushing for closure relatively early on in the conversation versus our perceiving friends who are more sort of spontaneous and open and actually kind of feel a little uh, discomfort when forced to make a choice. So those are the building blocks. You know, as you mentioned, the four temperaments, it's actually been a, a topic studied throughout human history across different cultures. At certain combinations of these letters, as David Kiersey was actually able to sort of suss out uh, back in the 1970s, that touch on people's motivations and re- really what's uh, at the core of their personality. Rob later goes on to say, When managers are first promoted into their managerial position for the first time, they tend to go out and manage people in a perfect way if they were the one being managed. Right. So they're applying the golden rule, which is, hey, this is what I would want. And they're often stymied when the person does not respond, <laughs> respond as well as they would if they were on the receiving end. And it really breaks down pretty clearly along these temperament lines. So if I'm able to give the person what they're looking for as a manager, then I can bring out their best. But if I'm just giving them what I would want or what I would respond really well to, I'm taking, I'm rolling the dice that the person happens to be similar enough to me or flexible enough in his or her style to meet me halfway. While there's been a lot of talk in the Twitter sphere lately about the validity of personality type, my experience and many thought leaders I respect see these concepts as helpful tools for understanding differences in our natural tendencies. And this matters because as a manager, what works for you may not work for your team members. And even more so, I may not understand why something motivates a team member when it does the exact opposite for me. So getting clarity on the core values of your colleagues can ensure you're doing and saying the things that will best connect to their internal drive. And one of the easiest ways to understand those core motivators is through personality type temperaments that Rob explains fully in episode 219. So that's your first call to action. If you're not familiar with the temperaments, or it's been a while since you listened to Rob explain them, scroll back or click in the show notes and listen to Rob lay out the four temperaments and what motivates each. Then take five minutes and consider for each of your team members which temperament they are most likely to be. Consider what you've noticed about them already. When do they seem most engaged? What do they seem proud of? What do they get frustrated about? And then what might you do differently to motivate them now that you have these insights? Next up, episode 229, Overcoming Obstacles with Joel Green. Joel and I spoke about mental toughness, and here he shares an essential skill for all humans at work and in life. That, while not always easy, makes a huge difference in the quality of our decisions and relationships. You have to train yourself to stop reacting all the time and begin responding to what you're faced with, you know, from day to day. And the way I break it down is, you know, again, when you're reacting, you're acting in accordance with an external stimulus. That stimulus now has control over your actions. Your actions are based off of what they've done or the situation has caused. So I just let people know, hey, look, when something happens, let's see if we can reframe or retrain your default thinking, your default reactions, your default process by just taking a breath for a moment. I mean, we can literally in one minute think over 30 thoughts. So if we just give ourselves a quick minute before we do anything, whatever our response may be, let's have it be as void as possible of emotion. You know, emotions are a good thing, but when something difficult happens or unideal, the emotions tend to cloud our judgment. So I just, you know, try to tell people, let's just take a moment in present time, as opposed to waiting on hindsight 
to reveal to us what we should have done. Let's actually in our present time say, okay, what can I do? How can I filter this moment that I'm in right now to break it down, to maybe see it objectively from another angle, from someone else's point of view? And that has helped me and it's helped so many others often just by taking your time. And I know it's not easy to do when something requires an immediate response because we think everything has to be immediate nowadays in the Instacart and the Instagram you know, generation that we live in now. But taking time is the answer to changing your default process. I just love this because honestly, it's kind of one of my superpowers. So I know how incredible it can be to stay calm and give yourself a moment to think and then respond with intention. So often people say or do something they later regret because we were thinking and acting in the moment purely according to that rush of emotions, when ideally, emotions should be just one of many sources of information to consider when deciding how to respond. So as a next step, take 10 minutes and think back to a few situations where maybe you would have benefited from taking a pause and regrouping and then responding instead of reacting. Is there anything these situations have in common that you can make a mental note of for future reference? Like for me, when my husband criticizes my parenting, it takes all my strength to pause and remind myself that he's sharing feedback because he loves our kids and wants them to grow into productive and kind humans. Maybe for you, it's when a team member gives you bad news about a product delay or your client sends yet another annoying email or your boss asks a question in a meeting that you are totally unprepared for and you get super flustered. Once you've noted anything helpful, then make a mini routine that you can do in five seconds or less whenever you're feeling emotionally charged. It could be a deep breath and a mental mantra of, how do I want to respond and not react? Or connecting to your body with a squeeze of your fists and then a release. Just something to bring you back to the present and put you in control of whatever happens next. And while we're on the topic of acting with intention, the next insight comes from Akaya Winwood from episode 237, Create the Conditions for Joy in the Workplace. Akaya shared a story about a friend whose father would eat nectarines in the backyard and then randomly throw the pits on the ground, and one of them eventually took root and grew into a tree. Here's Akaya talking about that as a metaphor for leadership. As leaders, we're planting seeds all the time, even when we don't know we're, we're doing it because people are watching us. There, when people think, oh, I'm just going to quietly do my leadership thing over here. That just isn't so. We are teaching the people who depend on us kind of how to be, especially when there are younger folks in, or newer folks into, in the organization. They're watching. Well, how do we be here? How do I show up? What's expected of me? And so what may seem very, oh, well, this is just how I do every day, is we're actually planting seeds. Um, because people are watching and going, oh, okay, that is how I'm supposed to be. And so I think that's where we be, it's really important as leaders, we be aware of what the impact of what we're saying, what we're doing is having all the time, right? Because we don't want unintentional trees in the backyard that feel like burdens, right? For, for Rajas Vinny and her family, that tree became a gift. But there are other people for whom that tree would be a burden. And as leaders, we don't want to plant, plant seeds that will be burdensome to the folks who will have to deal with them later. This lesson resonated with me so much. We're going through our days, sometimes even on autopilot, without realizing that we are role modeling for our team members and the actions or words that we say may have longer unintended consequences, both positive or negative. 
And the hard part is that we don't always know if they'll be positive or negative. But with a little intention, we can increase the likelihood that we're planting seeds that will do good for our team members in the future. So for this action, take five minutes to reflect on your behaviors that you do on automatic. Maybe it's how you prepare or don't prepare for meetings. Maybe it's how often or infrequently you give praise and say thank you. Maybe it's how you do or don't do a daily or weekly planning routine. Now project forward. What lessons are your team members taking from those actions or inactions? How might they be interpreting your behavior for good or for bad? If you want to create a different future experience, what's one small thing you might do differently now? And then go do it. Now in episode 193, Navigating Change, Ambiguity, and Uncertainty with Russ Linden, we talked about the importance of recognizing the sense of loss we all experience when something changes. Too often, we as managers hype up the exciting positive future and ignore the sadness or even pain that our team members experience during times of change. These losses could be big or small, but no matter the size, we need to acknowledge and attend to them. Here's Russ. I like being open and honest with people and saying, if I think that this change is going to be both positive and with some losses, and just saying that. I've seen leaders who say, you know what, folks, we're not going to start with bells and whistles. We're not going to overhype this. I think, and I know some of you think this change can do a lot, but let's face it, some of you are going to be working with different people and you like your peers, and that's going to be a loss, at least for a while. I've seen leaders say, some of you are happy where you are, and this may involve some geographic change. I heard some people, leaders say, some of you, and this is where my wife comes in when I think about this, maybe some of you like to do what you do and do it very well and keep doing it. And others of you who have what Carol Dweck calls a growth mindset. Others of you, you know, thrive on new challenges. And then the leader says, all of us are going to have to make some changes in terms of the skills. And now here's how we're going to lessen the blow. We've got the following train lined up. We're going to ease into this one step at a time and so on and so forth. I once had a client, Mamie, real quick story, social services agency. Each of them was dealing with their specialty and they loved being specialists. Some handled Medicaid. Some handled child issues, some handled housing, some handled training. Each of them was an expert in their issue. The leader of the organization with the team did some best practices scouting around and learned, this is some time ago, that the best way to work in their field was to become multi-skilled generalists. Up to a point, be the one person for most things for your family. And then when there's something beyond your expertise, go to a few of the continuing specialists. But most of them were going to go from being specialists to multi-skilled people. And you know what, Mamie? The staff knew it was coming, and they were so depressed. No amount of words was going to help. So with the manager's support, <laughs> we did something that I don't really understand too well because it's not part of my faith. We held a wake. <laughs> I can still remember, maybe we sat down. Everybody knew what the deal was. It was going to be safe to talk about what we're going to miss. We turned down the lights. I literally lit a candle. It was as though we were grieving over a person. And people had time to say, well, I'm going to miss you know, being the expert. I'm going to miss knowing more and more about what I do. I'm going to miss this feeling of esteem and competence. It wasn't whining. They were too professional for that. It wasn't let's go back. Everybody knew the decision was made. They had to be able to say it and hear their boss say what he would miss. And then they started to move through the stages of change. I love the straightforward and creative ways that we can address these feelings of loss with our team members and ourselves. We don't need to pretend that 
ta-da, big change, now everything is going to be great. When in reality, some things will be better, and maybe in the long run everything will be better, but at least in the short term, some things won't feel better. So let's just be honest about the journey ahead and give people the space and support they need to reach that better future. As a next step, if you've got a change that recently occurred or is in the works, reach out to your team members to open a conversation on the realities of the change. Acknowledge to them that they might feel a sense of loss, and that's okay. And see if the group is interested in doing something creative to honor the good that they've experienced in the past as part of this process of moving forward. Last up is episode 223, Keep Calm and Address Conflicts with Hesha Abrams. Dealing with conflict can often feel like one of the worst parts of any manager's job. But Hesha provides a few quick and easy tips that anyone can follow to hold the calm and address conflict head on. So the first analogy is spaghetti sauce. We've all cooked with it. We all drop it on the counter. If you take a sponge and wipe it up right away, it comes right up, right? No big deal. You leave it overnight, what do you do? Scraping it off with a spatula. You leave it for a couple of months, it's old and moldy and gross. That, my friends, is conflict. If we handle it right away, it's easier. The longer we wait, the harder it gets. Now, you can still handle it. It will just be harder. And the reason we don't handle it right away is because we don't know how, or we're afraid, or we don't want to say the wrong thing, or we tried and it failed spectacularly. I love this metaphor of conflict as spilled spaghetti sauce. It is so on point and so important to speak up quickly instead of letting things fester. But I also know it can be really hard to do so when the other person's acting irrationally or emotionally and you're just not sure you're up for the task. So here, Hesha goes on to explain the magic trick of disarming someone who's creating conflict so they're open to a conversation with you. Validation is the number one elixir. It's a magic beans. It's a magic wands. Validation is unbelievable. And the problem is, is that if I'm really mature, and I'm not triggered, and you're not stealing credit for a project I did, I could probably validate you and something you're doing. But let's make this the advanced course. Let's say the guy just stole credit from you or won't listen to you or is infringing on your space or spoke badly about you or, 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 or. You can get angry and mad and do all the normal reactive stuff. That's a choice. Maybe that's a choice you want to take. Or you can do a technique that I call VUX, V-U-C-S. And the reason I do that is because you tell them to go VUX them. Now, <laughs> none of your listeners are going to forget that, are they? So the first one is V for validate. So the easy validation is, you know, you did a good job on this, or I know you're trying your best, or, you know, that's easy stuff. But let's do the hard one. I don't want to validate you. I don't like you. I think you did a terrible job. And you're annoying the heck out of me. I still got to validate this guy because it's the magic elixir that calms him down. So I I validate if I can. But if I can't, I name the emotion. You seem like you're really angry. I'm not angry. Oh, okay. What are you feeling? I'm frustrated. Okay. Now I have data. I have information. And what I say to our listeners here, in that exchange, who had the power? the person angry and yelling or the person who's using Vux. And when you have power, your amygdala calms down. You create a moat around your emotions. Now you have more power and you can do something. So now all of a sudden it's a data point. Oh, why are you frustrated? 
they may have nothing to do with you at all. And all of a sudden, I have found that those angry, really upset people, when you vux them and you validate them, you are the new best friend because no one else, they're radioactive. No one else will listen to them. No one else will talk to them. No one else understands them. You do. You can completely flip and turn the situation. While it seems so simple, I have seen myself how validating can transform someone's energy and mindset in seconds. So even if you're not feeling the love, finding some way of validating the other person's experience or emotions can be a game changer. Now for our last call to action, take a minute to think about who in your team or organization do you need to validate? What conflict have you been avoiding and maybe it's time to confront head on? I suggest you listen to the whole interview with Hesha in episode 228 because she provides additional strategies that could really help you prepare for that tough conversation. Finally, a huge thank you to my team behind the scenes of the show. Alexandria, Rivka, and Andrew, and a huge thank you to you for listening. As this week's bonus, I am offering to lead a full 360 process for up to 10 patron-level members of the Modern Manager at a drastically discounted price of $250. This includes a survey of up to 10 of your colleagues to gather feedback on their experience of working with you, also about your strengths and where you can improve. You get a full written report plus a one-hour debrief session with me to review your findings and plan the next steps. Normally, I charge more than $1,000 for this type of 360. But since it's my 250th episode, we're going with 250. To become a member and get one of these massively discounted 360s with me, go to themodernmanager.com slash join. If you work for a government or nonprofit agency, you get 20% off any membership level. Or take advantage of the discount on the Skills Accelerator at 25% off, which includes that patron-level membership, so you can go to themodernmanager.com slash milestone250 to learn more. All the links are in the show notes, and they can be delivered to your inbox along with this week's mini sketch note that has one key takeaway. So if you haven't yet subscribed to my newsletter, get on that list at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player, and join the mailing list at mamieks.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.